Hello, everybody, and welcome to the May 19, 2021 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I'm your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine. And ladies and gentlemen, today a bill will be voted on, or it might have already been voted on, I'm not quite sure yet, that will establish a 9-11 style commission for the riots on the Capitol that we saw on January 6th of this year. Now, I am against a 9-11 style commission for what we saw, not because I don't think it's worthwhile to investigate what happened. In fact, literally the exact opposite. I am against a 9-11 style commission, and it was actually bragged today by one of the congresswomen who wrote the bill on MSNBC that this was essentially the same as the bill to establish a 9-11 commission. I am against it because the 9-11 Commission did not investigate 9-11 in the first place, and therefore I could not support a similar non-investigation for what we saw on January 6th. About 10 years ago, in fact, as of September 11th of this year, it will be 10 years ago, a man by the name of James Corbett posted a video onto YouTube that has since been taken off, but a transcript of it is available, as are several mirrors on the internet discussing what happened on 9-11 and the aftermath. Here is what he has to say about the 9-11 Commission. <clears throat> For some reason, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation on the greatest attack on American soil in history. The investigation was delayed, underfunded, set up to fail, a conflict of interest, and a cover-up from start to finish. It was based on testimony extracted through torture, the records of which were destroyed. It failed to mention the existence of WTC-7, Able Danger, P-TECH, Sable Ekmans, OBL and the CIA, and the drills of hijacked aircrafts being flown into buildings that were being simulated at the precise same time that those events were actually happening. It was lied to by the Pentagon, the CIA, the Bush administration, and as for Bush and Cheney, well, no one knows what they told it because they testified in secret, off the record, not under oath, and behind closed doors. It didn't bother to look into who funded the attack because the question is of, quote, little practical significance. Still, the 9-11 Commission did brilliantly, answering all the questions the public had, except for most of the victims' family members' questions, and pinned the blame on the people responsible, although no one so much as lost their jobs. Determining the attacks were a failure of imagination because, quote, I don't think anyone could envision flying airplanes into a building, except the Pentagon, and FEMA, and NORAD, and the NRO. The DIA destroyed 2.5 terabytes of data on Able Danger, but that's okay because it probably wasn't important. The SEC destroyed their records of the investigation to the insider trading before the attack, but that's okay because destroying the records of the largest investigation in SEC history is just part of normal routine record keeping. NIST has classified the data that it used for their model of WTC-7's collapse, but that's okay because knowing how they made their model of the collapse would, quote, jeopardize public safety. The FBI has argued that all material related to their investigation 9-11 should be kept a secret from the public, but that's okay because the FBI probably has nothing to hide. So that is the story of the 9-11 Commission. And we're supposed to want another one of those. Of course, the 9-11 Commission had to look like that because the Republicans in Congress at the time did not want an actual investigation. Uh, here is Al Franken, not exactly a crazy conspiracy theorist, discussing how Bush repeatedly refused a 9-11 Commission 
in his 2003 book, Lies and the Lying Liars, that tell them. Specifically, he's responding to Sean Hannity's notion that it was Democrats who covered it up. He must have been thinking of the October 6, 2001 New York Times article, House Votes for More Spy Aid and to Put in Reins on Inquiry, which said that, quote, Democrats who offered their own amendment continued to push for a commission that would examine the events leading up to September 11th and the failure to stop the attacks. No, I guess that can't be. But, you know, you just can't trust the New York Times like you can trust the Washington Times. I guess Handy must have been thinking of their May 24, 2002 Bush Rejects probe of 9-11. Will not give up sensitive terror papers. Wait, Bush rejects? That makes it sound like Bush was rejecting the probe instead of the Democrats. So, maybe Handy was talking about the May 20, 2002 New York Times article... Cheney rejects broader access to terror brief. That article began, quote, Vice President Dick Cheney said that today that he would advise President Bush not to turn over to Congress the August intelligence briefings that warned that terrorists were in interested in hijacking airplanes. Those were in reference to the infamous Phoenix memo and the memo on August 6, 2001. Been... Oh, that almost sounds like the opposite of Hannity's point. Wait, must have been the August 21st, 2002 Newsweek article. Cheney investigators, keep out. No, that doesn't sound too promising. But what about the first sentence? Dick Cheney played a behind-the-scenes role last week in derailing an agreement to sent... Create. Sorry, I thought that said censure for a minute. My brain is slowly melting. It's the summer heat. It causes my brain to melt. Uh, <laughs> to create an independent commission to investigate the 9-11 attack. Hmm, well, what about the last sentence? That's just this general philosophical orientation that the less the world knows, the better, says one GOP staffer. Of course, the fact is the Bush administration fought a 9-11 commission every step of the way. Even though the families of the victims were begging for an independent probe from day one. When political reality finally forced the Bushies to give in, whom did they appoint to head the commission? The family's choice? Former New Hampshire Senator Warren Rudman, who co-chaired the Hard Rudman Commission on National Security? No, Rudman had backed John McCain in New Hampshire. Instead, Bush picked Henry Kissinger. You can tell someone wants to get to the truth about cover-ups, mass killings, and mistakes made at the highest level of government when they appoint Henry Kissinger to lead the investigation. Critics complained that Kissinger had a history of being overly secretive and had potential financial conflicts of interest. When Kissinger resigned a couple of weeks later, he said it was because he wanted to be secretive about his financial conflicts of interest. So, again, that's the story of the 9-11 Commission's refusal, essentially. That's the story of how it was denied for over a year. And it wasn't told to you by Alex Jones or David Icke. It was told to you by Al Franken. Now, I read you all of that for two reasons. 
One, to remind you all that Sean Hannity is a very dirty liar, and was a dirty liar going back to the early 2000s. In fact, you could argue he was an even worse liar back then than he is today. Or, and, and the second reason, was to remind you all that the Bush administration did not want a 9-11 commission in the first place. And when they finally got one, it was incredibly weak. As it happens, I do own a copy of the 9-11 Commission Report. This was in every bookstore all across America when it first came out in 04. And it does not mention Able Danger. It does not mention Building 7. It does not have any direct testimony from George W. Bush and Dick Cheney because, again, they didn't want to testify. Bush even said, testify, no, but I'll visit with them. Instead, instead, it does have a couple of mentions to very important things. If you flip to the index, you can find references to Y2K on three separate occasions. X-ray machines on five separate occasions. Uganda, for some reason, on three separate occasions. And I can go on and on and on into what is in this utterly nonsensical report. This should not be considered a report. This should be considered a work of fiction, far as I'm concerned. I should note that the 9-11 Commission was so obviously a failure that there's an entire Wikipedia page on just how big of a failure it was. I will actually read to you a section from that page called Set Up to Fail, so you know what I think of the whole thing. The two co-chairs of the Commission, Thomas Key and Lee Hamilton, believed that the government established the Commission in a way that ensured it would fail. Again, not crazy conspiracy theorists, two co-chairs of the Commission. In their book, Without Precedent, the inside story of the 9-11 Commission describes their experiences serving. Hamilton listed a number of reasons for reaching this conclusion, including the late establishment of the Commission and the very short deadline imposed on its work, the insufficient funds, $3 million, Initially allocating for conducting such an extensive investigation, later the commission requested additional funds but received only a fraction of the funds requested and the chair still felt hamstrung, the many politicians who opposed the establishment of the commission, the continuing resistance and opposition to the work of the commission by many politicians, particularly those who did not wish to be blamed for any of what happened, but remember, by the way, if you say the government had any involvement in 9-11, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. The deception of the commission by various key government agencies, including the Department of Defense, wasn't that run by Donald Rumsfeld at the time? Oh yeah, it was, it was, but again, any no connection, do not look at a connection there. NORAD and the FAA, and the denial of access by various agencies to the document and witness. Quote, so there were all kinds of reasons we thought we were set up to fail. Far as I am concerned, that was not an investigation. And if Democrats really want a 9-11 style commission for January 6th, then we have to ask, why? 
Why are you saying, I want the weakest possible solution? No, you should want a strong investigation, not whatever the 9-11 Commission was. They have no reason to, I think. Are there a conflict of interest in the Democratic Party? Does Joe Biden have a conflict of interest we should know about? We need to know this stuff. And yet, and yet, we are instead getting a retreat of a failed commission. Anyway, now it's time for dumbest thing I've ever heard. The bronze goes to Edward Isaac Dovery from The Atlantic for writing this. Quote, if Biden's presidency succeeds, Harris will be on a guide path to the Democratic nomination and potentially the White House. If it doesn't, her vice presidency could end her political career. Wait, wait, wait. So you mean if Kamala do good, she be seen as good. If Kamala do bad, she be seen as bad. Did I understand that correctly? Hard-hitting journalism from the Atlantic, let me tell you. I can understand why this is behind a fucking paywall. The runner-up goes to Pastor Robert Jeffries, who, according to Right Wing Watch, told Fox News he hopes Trump's Supreme Court picks will, quote, uphold their part of the deal, you can say they engaged in the art of the deal, and overturn Roe v. Wade. So wait a minute. You're saying that not only Amy Coney Barrett, but all three of Trump's Supreme Court picks have conflicts of interest among the religious right and are, as such, unable to be impartial Supreme Court justices? Wow, Robert Jeffries, I didn't know you were an anti-Christian bigot! But the winner goes to John Kilmeyer of townhall.com for his article, It's Time to Rethink the Phrase Cancel Culture for a More Serious Term. As he puts it, with a proper understanding, we can recognize that no one gets canceled. I agree. These are not cancellations. These are small-scale political assassinations, and we're all potential targets. You didn't get canceled. You got targeted for political assassination and economic assault, and usually it's carried out. One thinks you might be just a tad overdramatic. As he ends the article, you may be a Midwestern town clerk. You may be a small market podcaster. You may be a little league coach. Ah, yes, the three genders. But that does not make any of this low stake. When your livelihood and position in your community is at risk, the stakes are about as high as they can get. Retire the term cancel culture because it's insufficient for the gravity of the moment. And by the way, the editor's note for Town Hall is Join Town Hall in the fight against the left's anti-American woke cancel culture agenda. So someone should tell Town Hall to redefine themselves. Jason Kilsinger, you are, you've said the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Anyway, a quick update on Israel's bombing of a building in Gaza that contained both the Associated Press and Al Jazeera. Apparently Politico, of all outlets, has evidence that Hamas was located in there. Quote from an article published yesterday, 
Israeli operatives drew heightened criticism in recent days after its armed forces leveled a building that housed several media offices, including that of the Associated Press, Israel, which warned people to evacuate the building about an hour before striking it, odd then, the people of both Associated Press and Al Jazeera, only dodged the bomb by literal seconds, has said it has shared information with the United States showing that Hamas based some of its assets in that facility. Really? 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 Um, so Politico, do you actually have that intel out of curiosity? Because if so, that would make senior officials to Benjamin Netanyahu, okay? Um, Benjamin Netanyahu, obviously, Joe Biden, and Politico. The, the four genders, as we all know. Now, <laughs> I already used that joke. Now, <laughs> let's review who doesn't have that intel. The Associated Press, who had their building bombed, Ken Klippenstein of The Intercept, who asked Biden for that information, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, and Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Oh, and everyone else, because that information doesn't exist. Or maybe it's in a vault somewhere. You know, the same vault with all the evidence of voter fraud in Arizona and Pennsylvania and Georgia... And with the truck that had Saddam Hussein's WMDs and the baby Saddam Hussein threw out of the incubator. And the Mickey and Minnie Mouse sex tape. I bet those are just all in the same vault. Anyway, this last story for tonight, there's this video that was posted on TikTok, but I just saw it on Twitter. And it was so bad, it like actually broke my brain. Where a girl who reminds me of China from the TV show Ant Farm. And that's not just because the girl is black, by the way. I want to be clear. It's because she sounds exactly like China did on Ant Farm. I swear. I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out to be the same person who played that girl. Uh, she tries to prove the existence of God using science. And I, as an atheist, took this as a challenge, and it's not a very hard one to beat. So here's the clip. Have y'all ever heard of the theory of general relativity? It's what Einstein is famous for. In his calculations, he started to realize that the universe was not eternal. It had a beginning. Now this leads us to the law of causality. Everything that came to be needs a cause. Now, first off, I find her citing of Albert Einstein to be very humorous, considering Albert Einstein did not call himself a religious man. In fact, he called himself an agnostic. And for that matter, I should note that this is technically correct, but very misleading. It is true that as the universe exists right now, everything has to happen because of a cause. However, the universe that Einstein was observing is much smaller than all of reality. So, for instance, there are things in this universe that do occur without a cause. Nuclear decay, for example. And, um, what are they called? What are they called? They're a form of particles. It's a result of the uncertainty principle. I can't... Uh, virtual particles, that's what they're called. Virtual particles don't have a cause, yet they've been experimentally proven. That's a result of the uncertainty principle. So yes, as the universe exists right now in this state on Earth, everything needs a cause and relativity is accurate. 
However, that's not to say that, that was always the case, nor for that matter is that to say that always will be the case. It's possible that when the universe was created, that wasn't the case. And that things could have occurred without a cause. That is perfectly possible. So Einstein clearly knew that if the universe had a beginning, it needed a cause. Let's go to the Big Bang Theory. There was no space, no time, and no matter before the Big Bang. That's just wrong. There wasn't time, sure, and space is a little bit of an ambiguous word here, but there was certainly matter. Matter that was completely compressed and inside an incredibly small speck. So, that's just, no, there was matter. That's just objectively wrong to say there wasn't. The Big Bang is not this matter coming into existence, but instead this matter popping out of its shell, more or less, and having a chance to expand. And, by the way, that expansion is still occurring. The universe is still expanding as we speak, hence why the concept of an ether, or this universe that you could sort of plop a coordinate to, that you could plop a grid down on and discover coordinates for, is incorrect. Because the universe is still expanding to this day, to this second, in fact. But, okay, con continue on not knowing anything. The universe emerged out of nothingness. What does that mean? Since it's impossible for the universe to be able to create itself because it didn't exist in order to be able to create itself, nature and the universe itself was just a big effect that was caused by, what are we left with? An extremely powerful, extremely intelligent, precise, given the precision that our universe was created with. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean, given the precision we were, the universe was created with? That doesn't make any sense. If the universe was farther away from the sun, meaning there would be... I think there'd be less gravity. And it would be colder than we would have evolved in a colder environment. And you'd be saying, look at how precise the world was created. Same thing if we were closer to the sun. Or for that matter, we not, might not have evolved on Earth. We might have evolved from... A different star or a different planet in which people like you say, now look at how perfect these conditions are, how precise these conditions are for us to survive. The fact is the universe really doesn't care about precision, just kind of a bunch of things that are happening. Personal entity that is capable of existing outside of time, space, and matter. That That's a massive stretch. Just, just so you know. I can't be nothing but God. And for people that are like, okay, well, how do you know that it's like Christianity's God? There's only one God. But there's a very famous astronomer named Robert Jastro. His credentials as a scientist are impeccable. Being agnostic, he's not even a Christian. He said that all of the essential elements of the Big Bang Theory line up with biblical creation. Then why doesn't he believe in them? Why is 96% of the National Academy of Science atheists, and most of the rest are made up by deists, not Christians? If this were the case, then you'd expect, for one, this guy to be a Christian, and for that matter, you'd expect more Christian science. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there haven't been great Christian scientists throughout history. 
just as, there, just as there have been many great Muslim scientists, and Jewish scientists, and Hindu scientists, and agnostic scientists, and atheist scientists, and deist scientists, and Gnostic scientists. How, okay, Gnostics probably wouldn't study science in the first place, but <laughs> even then, that doesn't prove you right. That's an appeal to authority fallacy, and the authority does not even agree with your interpretation of what they're saying. Because this is how God works. God speaks something, and then science runs to catch up with what he said. Science doesn't create anything. Science studies creation. Let me just answer a question that I always get. Who created God? What I say? I said everything with a beginning. Everything that came to be needs a cause. God didn't come to be. God is eternal. The way a lot of people thought the universe was until science disproved it. So no, 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 no. You can't play that game now. And I'll tell you why. Because do you know what else is eternal? Do you know what else cannot be created nor destroyed? Matter. Matter cannot be created nor destroyed. Yet, you are using a God to say it created matter, d despite the fact matter cannot even be created. Matter is eternal. That's an objective fact that we know. We know matter existed before the Big Bang. We know it was involved with the Big Bang. Same thing with the basic concept of energy. So, no, you can't play that game because you've already dismissed eternal things as needing a creator. Well, God doesn't need a cause or a creator. He is the cause. The universe is the effect. Don't just take my word for it. Go look into it for yourself. One more thing. Evidence is not a substitute for faith. Following God is not a matter of evidence or proof. It's a matter of the will. You have to want to do it. So you can have the peace that you're looking for. And if you don't want to make that choice, no amount of evidence is going to convince you to. You have to want to. Then, I have one question and one question for you only. Why did you spend two minutes trying to prove the existence of God with evidence? Although, I did just spend nine minutes thoroughly debunking you, so maybe that's why. I am Ephraim, and good night.